0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, author, and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And the theme of this week's podcast is how do we get started? Now, I was on the Facebook group a few weeks ago, and I saw a very plaintive post from a lady who, I'm sorry, I cannot remember your name, but I can remember the gist of your post. And the gist of your post was that you'd done the courses, you'd found your area, but you just weren't sure how to get ready. And so I thought, well, you just weren't sure how to get started. So I thought, let's do how to get started in property. Now, the thing is, of course, that many of us are covering and trying different strategies. There's probably at least a dozen different property strategies we could do, if not more. And so the advice I'm going to give is going to have to be, by nature, generic, because I don't want to pick on any one particular strategy. But hopefully the advice I give can be adapted to be used for any strategy that you choose and should be enough to help you to get started. So again, apologies to the lady who it was who put the post. I wish I could remember your name. By the way, if you have any questions, if you want to contact me, do go onto the Progressive Facebook group. Do leave your questions. And if there's any great questions there, which are suitable for a podcast, then I'll pick them up and they'll be the subject of a future podcast, which would be really, really cool. So let's have a think about how we're going to get started in property. And The very first starting point, which I'd suggest, which might surprise you, is actually, you could almost argue that it's not actually related to property at all. Because I would suggest that the starting point is to grab a piece of paper and a pen, or in this day and age, to get your tablet out, or your MacBook, or whatever, and start making a list of what it is you actually want to achieve in property. Because for me, that is the absolute starting point. What is it that you want to achieve in property. Now, why do I say that? Because unless we know what it is we're trying to achieve, it's gonna be very, very difficult to come up with a plan and a strategy, property-related or otherwise, which is gonna help us to achieve that. We need to know what the end point is, what the self-development gurus call starting with the end in mind. So that would be my starting point. Have a think about what your goals are, think about what it is you want to achieve from property, think about the timescales in which you want to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve from property. And I'm guessing that if you're listening to this podcast and if you're part of the progressive community, and I hope you are, and if you're not yet part of the progressive community, get yourself onto the Facebook group because it'd be great to see you there. But as you're listening to this podcast and you're part of the progressive community, I would be guessing that probably your goals are going to be financial in nature, or at least you're going to perceive them to be financial in nature. Let me just explain what I mean by that. Most of us would probably think that our goals are financial because many of us are thinking about how to build passive income in property, for example, or how to build our equity in property. But when you think about it, it's probably not for the money that we're doing property. Property is a means to an end. And to a certain extent, to a great extent, money is also just a means to an end. It's probably not the money that we want, so much as what the money can give us. Now, this isn't going to be true of everybody. Some people might actually get very excited about the idea of this, but for me personally, I wouldn't want to have a whole pile of money and just shove it under the mattress, because it wouldn't really be doing anything. But it's what I can do with the money that makes me excited. One of my highest values, or my highest value, is freedom. And freedom allows me to have choice, and what I choose to do is I like to go away. I love traveling. Now, I need money to do that. So the money is important to the extent that it allows me to do what it is I really want to do. And so in terms of doing this sort of planning exercise, think about what it is you're really trying to achieve, not just the money, not just the financial goals, but why you want to achieve those financial goals and what that will allow you to do, because that's going to be helpful when we go on to stage two of this process. So If you wanna actually work along with me and do this as we go along, maybe just put me on pause for a bit, grab your paper and pen or grab your tablet or whatever, work out what your goals are, what it is you're trying to achieve, and then think about what the sort of real goal behind that is and what it is you really want to do. And give yourself a fair amount of time to do that, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and then come back to me, take me off pause and we'll go on to stage two. So hopefully you've all done that, or if you haven't, hopefully you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that at some point in the future. I'll make time this weekend, for example, to sit down and do this. So stage one is thinking about what it is we want to achieve from property and why. Now stage two of getting started, I suggest, is to think about what it is you want to achieve in property and then start to think about the right strategy that's going to help you to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve in property. And as I said at the very introduction of this podcast, there's probably a dozen or so different strategies or more that we could use in property. And in fact, actually, the permutations can become almost limitless because we can actually start to mix and match strategies, which means that there's so much that we can do in property, it can almost be overwhelming trying to decide what it is we are going to do. So ground yourself in what it is you're trying to achieve, because that will help, hopefully cut through some of the overwhelm and hopefully start to give you a better idea of what it is that you want to do. Now, I think this is a really, really important stage of the process, and it's probably one which a lot of people skip over, because what tends to happen is that somebody hears about a strategy, and they say, right, I'm gonna do that, without necessarily exploring whether it's actually the right strategy for them, and whether it's the right strategy to help them to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. Because apart from anything else, Think of it this way. You're probably going to be much more successful in property or in whatever you do if you're passionate about whatever you do, if you're interested in whatever you do, and if whatever you choose to do is in your flow. So you don't really want to go off and choose a strategy which isn't really you, which doesn't really fit with who you are or what you want to do. So I think it's better to be led by your goals in determining your strategy than to just jump in and find a strategy and then try and make everything work around the strategy if that makes sense. Have a look at what you did in stage one, have a look at the goals, have a look at the things that you're trying to achieve in property or you want to achieve in property and then start to think about the strategy which most naturally lends itself to you being able to achieve that. Now for some of us that might sound like it's quite obvious but I'm going to sort of throw a bit of a spanner in the works here and maybe challenge some of our thinking so bear with me on this and go with me on this. So for example, when I'm doing masterclass down at Progressive HQ in Peterborough, I'll quite often ask uh, the masterclass attendees, who wants to create a passive income? And usually lots of hands will go up. And then I'll say, well, keep your hand up if you want to get out of your job. Keep your hand up if you want to sack your boss. And most of the time, most of the hands stay up, which is quite natural. Most of us, a lot of us, perhaps want to move on, get out of our job and do something a little more satisfying or work for ourselves. I fully get that. So then I'll say, well, keep your hand up if you're thinking that the best way to replace your current income is by building a passive income through a portfolio. And probably 90 to 95% of people will keep their hands up because what they're thinking is, in order to replace their income, they want to put together a portfolio a portfolio of properties which will pay a passive income. But here's the thing, and this is the challenge which I usually throw out. If your your goal is to get out of your job, and if you want to get out of your job relatively quickly, is building passive income through a portfolio the best or the quickest way to do that? And oftentimes the answer is no, it's not, because building a portfolio can take quite some time. There's quite a lot of involved work required to put together a portfolio, particularly a portfolio that's got enough income being generated to replace your current work income. It could take several years to build a portfolio of the right sort of size to replace your current income. And for a lot of people, that's far too slow. So the challenge I'll often give is, well, if you want to get out of your job quickly, and by that I mean maybe within the next 12 months, maybe within the next six months, Would it make more sense perhaps to flip a property? Maybe flip a couple of properties. Now, if you're not sure what flipping means, flipping is basically buying a property and then selling it on. And there's a number of ways that we can make profits in flipping. One is to buy the property cheap and then to sell it on at what we could consider to be the right price and make a bit of a profit. Or we can buy a property perhaps which needs a bit of work doing to it, do a refurb, Add some value and then sell it on and pocket the profit. Or, if you're really good at this, maybe you can find a property which needs a refurb and you can buy it cheaper, if that makes sense. So you're not just paying a reduced price because of the refurb that's required, but you're also getting it for cheaper than it would otherwise be anyway. And then you're going to make loads of profit if you can do the work and sell it on. And depending upon where you are in the country, you can make a lot of money from flipping properties. For example, if you're in London, where property values are so high, maybe you can make £50,000 on a flip or £100,000 on a flip. If you were to get a lump sum of £50,000, is that going to get you out of your job far more quickly, for example, than trying to put together a a portfolio to produce passive income, where perhaps if you're buying cheap buy-to-let properties, which are great, by the way, and I love them, but they're perhaps only gonna pay you, I don't know, 200 pounds a month cash flow after all costs. It's gonna take quite a few properties to replace your income. So that's the challenge, really, trying to tie the strategy that you're going to use with the goal that you're trying to achieve in property. Now, that needs quite a lot of careful thought because, as I say, there are so many strategies. And it may be you're listening to this and thinking, well, Peter, I don't even know what all the strategies are. Yeah, I understand. And that's one of the reasons why being educated and researching what's available is such a key part of this process. So, if I was in a position where I wasn't quite sure what the strategies are, I'd certainly be looking into that. I'd certainly be using Google, certainly be talking to other investors, finding out what's going on. But as a very quick sort of list of the different strategies that I can think of that we could possibly do in property, there's buy-to-lets, which will give us a passive income. There's flipping properties, buying and selling, which can give us lumps of cash. There's serviced accommodation, which can give us passive income or not so passive income because, well, we can talk about that, but there's a certain amount of work that needs to go into organising serviced accommodation. There's HMOs, which can be great for passive income, very high yielding. There's commercial conversions where you'll redevelop a property and maybe turn it from offices into residential properties, which you can then either hold to rent out, or you can sell them on for cash lump sums. There's rent to rents, where you can rent a property off somebody and then sublet it at a higher rent, for example. There's all sorts of creative techniques in property we can use, like assisted sales, or lease options, or delayed completions. And all of these things, maybe you want to consider and see which ones fit best with what you're trying to achieve in property, and what's going to help you achieve your goal. So that would be step number two. Have a good think about that. Take your time to research that. Think about the right strategy that's A, going to achieve your goal, and B, is in the right flow for you that fits with who you are and what you want to do. Number three in getting started is once I know my strategy and I've chosen my strategy, I then got a much better idea of thinking about A, the type of property that I want to buy, and B, where I'm going to find that type of property. So for example, if I've decided that actually I do want to put together a portfolio, which has given me passive income, and I want to do the single buy-to-let properties, then I know that I'm going to be looking for properties which provide a yield, which is sufficient to cover the mortgage and the costs. And by definition, they're probably going to be cheaper properties. Why? Because cheaper properties are easier to rent out. Cheaper properties are... The ones which are probably going to give the yield, which will give us the cash flow to cover the costs, and to give us the surplus, which we need to have the positive cash flow. And the cheaper properties are the ones which are easier to find, easier to buy, and which fit the model of putting together a passive portfolio much more easily. Or, possibly, if I wanted to put together a portfolio of passive income, maybe I'd be thinking about HMOs. So I'd be thinking about what would, I want to, what would I need to find, where would I need to find them, what sort of areas would those properties be in? Well, what would I need to find? Well, if I was going to do HMOs, I'd probably start at the simple end of the scale by converting houses into HMOs, which would probably mean something like typically a nice three-bed terraced house with two reception rooms of a size which would allow it to be converted to make a nice HMO perhaps. En suite bathrooms onto each of the rooms, in which case they've got to be of a particular size. And maybe the layout would be important because I need to make sure that all the rooms could be accessed, for example, by the tenants without going through other tenants' accommodation. So that might lead me to particular properties in particular areas. Now, of course, it's not quite as simple as that because in this day and age with planning and licensing and restrictions from Article 4, That might determine the area where we're going to start looking for that type of property. So, I hope you can see from this, it's not just as simple necessarily as just choosing a strategy and trying to get started. But there's almost like a sort of a logical sequence to go through to think about the best way to put this together and to start finding the right properties. If I was going to do flips, for example, where would I do flips? Well, if I was going to flip onto owner-occupiers, I'd be wanting to look for properties. Probably in the better areas of town, not in the cheaper areas of town. Why do I say that? Well, because it's the better areas which are going to provide the better properties, which are going to be the sort of properties which owner-occupiers are more likely to want to buy. And if I want to sell the properties quickly, which I do in order to maximise my profits, then I'll be wanting to buy better properties in the better areas. I won't be wanting to buy the cheaper properties in the cheaper areas. Now, the cheaper properties in the cheaper areas are great as buy-to-lets, but they're not necessarily going to be very good for flips. So I need to understand that and try and make sure that when I'm thinking about my strategy, when I'm thinking about what I want to achieve, all of this knits together and works together. So that would be step three, thinking about what the right type of property is that fits my strategy, and then having a think about where that type of property can be found. Now, for some of us, and this is the age-old question, what if the strategy that we want to do doesn't actually work in the area we're in? That is a great question. It's a question which I'm asked a lot, and we've covered this in another podcast already. But just as a very quick recap, if the strategy that you want to do doesn't actually work in the area that you're in, then you've already got two choices. You can either change strategy and find a strategy that does work in the area that you're in, or you can just choose another area, find an area where it does work, and then go and do it there. Does it matter if you're not investing on your doorstep? Well, no, not really. I don't think it really matters where you're doing it, as long as you have the systems and processes in place to support you, to allow you to invest remotely. And the key thing in that, as you'll probably remember from an earlier podcast, I think, is having the right management in place. So there we are. That's step three of how to get started. I hope you find this helpful. If you're thinking, well, how do I start? As I say, start on thinking about what you want to achieve from property. Then think about the strategy that's going to help you to achieve that. Then start thinking about the type of property that you're going to need for that strategy and where you're likely to find that. Have a look in your local area. See if you can do it there. If you can, fantastic. Go for it. If you can't, then either think, well, I'll have to do a different strategy. What strategies do work in my area? And see if you want to do any of those strategies. Or think, right, I will go to a different area. I'll go to an area where that strategy does work. So now we're actually making some progress, aren't we? Step four is to go out and look for the properties. No better way of getting started than actually putting it all into action. After all, we don't want to spend the whole time just thinking about it and talking about it. We're only going to start making money from property and achieving our goals once we actually start taking action. So the next thing is, once you've identified The strategy, once you've identified the type of property and the type of area where you're going to find those properties, let's go out and find the properties. Now, depending upon what your strategy is, it's going to obviously affect how you look for the properties and what you're going to be looking for. Because if you're looking for commercial conversion properties, for example, your criteria in looking is going to be completely different from the criteria that you might adopt for finding single let-by-to-lets. So I can only be really generic in this because there are so many different strategies. You'll probably know already from your own education anyway and from deciding your strategy the kind of ways that you're going to be finding properties. If you're looking for single-let, buy-to-lets, for example, estate agents are fantastic. And i found most of my buy-to-lets through estate agents. Most investors who have a sizable portfolio who I speak to find most of their properties through estate agents. So please don't dismiss the idea of finding properties through estate agents. I think there's a temptation sometimes to think, well, estate agents aren't going to have the best deals, or estate agents are going to want to keep the best deals for themselves, or estate agents want to keep the best deals for their preferred buyers. And to be honest, there is maybe some truth in some of those statements. When it comes to keeping the deals for their preferred buyers, yeah, some estate agents might do that, and and those deals may never actually sort of see light of day. Even so, most estate agents will have many, many properties on their books, and if you've got the time and the inclination and the persistence and the motivation to go through those deals, you'll sift them and find, you will definitely find deals that are worth doing at estate agents. Don't forget, a lot of this is actually a numbers game. The more properties that you go and view and the more offers that you put in, the more deals you're going to get. And quite often when people say to me that they're finding it hard to get the best deals or they're finding it hard to even find deals, I'd suggest, well, you're probably not viewing enough properties. Go out and view more properties. Get on the books with more agents. Maybe slightly expand your area. Maybe that would help. But it's a numbers game. The more you go and see and the more offers you put down, the more deals you're going to do. So certainly think about the agents. If you want to be a little bit more creative, if you want to get your properties perhaps a little bit more BMV, which is always a good thing, by the way, lots of benefits in getting properties BMV, then maybe you want to do something more creative like leafleting an area. Choose an area to target. Now, you don't want it to be too big. Maybe two or 3,000 houses is enough. And maybe you'll do a 1,000 leaflets a month. Maybe you'll do a different 1,000 houses each Months over a three month period, go through first thousand in the month one, then the next adjoining area of a thousand in month two, then a thousand in month three, and then in month four you go back to the first ones and just keep leafleting over and over. Why do I say that? Because leafleting and the creative marketing usually takes time before you start to see results. The results will come, by the way, if you're persistent, but they may not come on day one, and you may have to go and drop three or four leaflets through a door before you actually get the phone call. But when you get the phone call, you're probably going to get a fantastic deal. So it's well worth doing. Maybe, if you're looking for deals, if it fits with your strategy, maybe it'll be running newspaper ads, for example. I've had a lot of success running newspaper ads. And in my local newspaper, when I run ads, the phone's pretty much rung off the hook at times with people who are wanting to sell their property but not wanting to sell through estate agents. That can be a great way of doing it but you've got to tailor your plan really to the strategy that you're following and make sure that it's the right plan to generate the leads of the type of property that you want to find. If I was doing HMOs, for example, depending upon who my target tenant market would be, again, I could source HMOs through estate agents. Why? Because the raw material isn't a HMO. The raw material might just be a fairly standard three-bedroomed house, but if it's of the right size, and the right layout, and it's in the right location, then I can convert it to a HMO. And by the way, that's a much better way of making money in property than buying an existing HMO, because a lot of the profit is actually in the development. So that's well worth thinking about as well. But whatever your strategy is, just have a think about it and think about how you're going to find the properties. So number five on the list of how to get started is, now that we're finding our properties, Hopefully, we're going to buy one. So you can make an offer, an offer is accepted, you buy the property, what then? Well, we're going to add value. So we've already thought about this to some extent, particularly in terms of HMOs. We can take the raw product, the house, the three-bedroom house, whatever it happens to be, turn it into a HMO. If we're buying buy-to-lets, maybe we're buying something which is a little bit run down, needs a bit of a refurb, so we can add value to it. That's a great thing to do. We call that BRR buy, refurbish, refinance. And and the gist of it is that we'll buy a property, we'll add the value through the refurb, and then when the refurb is done, we'll refinance it, and we'll get a new mortgage on the property, and we'll borrow out pretty much all the money that we've spent on the property. If we buy the right property at the right price, and if we do the refurb in such a way that we add enough value, it can be possible to get all of our money back out and maybe a bit extra as well. What do we do then? Well obviously if we can get most of our money back out or even all of our money back out, we go and do it again and we buy another one. And that's how investors like myself and others have built up a sizable portfolio by being able to recycle the money back out through and get it into another property so that we're buying multiple properties the whole time. So again, that's very, very basic. It doesn't necessarily have to be hard it just needs to be something that we need to take action on to do. So the sort of properties which I'd be looking for if I was doing BRR is I'd be looking for a fairly standard sort of two or three bedroom terraced house which needs a refurb. The refurb would probably be no more than just putting a new bathroom and kitchen, lick of paint and new carpets. Maybe if it needed it, I'd put new windows in. And if it didn't have a heating system, I could always think about putting a heating system in. But that would probably be enough. Probably kitchen, bathroom, lick of paint and carpets would be more than enough, and that would be enough to add value to the property to allow me to recycle my cash and to get it all back out again. But again, it has to fit with your strategy. So what's the appropriate way of adding value for your strategy? If you're doing serviced accommodation, for example, it'll be bringing the property up to the right specification and probably furnishing it to the right specification to, to bring that up to the value that you're going to need. So step six of getting started. Step six is to let the property so that we've got an income and to then refinance it. Now, I haven't talked about financing yet. One of the key things that we need to be doing, we need to do this quite early on, and this will probably happen around about stage three. Do you remember stage three was thinking about the right property on the right type of property in the area and the right type of area for that type of property? Well, probably while I started looking for the properties, I'd do this, and that is, I would find a good mortgage broker. Why? Because we're gonna need to finance the property, presumably, when we buy it, and we're gonna want to refinance the property once we've added value. And a good mortgage broker is worth their weight in gold and helping us to follow that process. Now, a question which I'm often asked, and it's a good question, is, Peter, where do I find a good mortgage broker? Well, I would suggest that you go onto the progressive community, onto the Facebook group, and ask, who are people using? Who can, who can you recommend? Because there are some great brokers out there, and particularly brokers who invest in property and who understand exactly what you're trying to achieve. They'll be able to steer you through what's potentially a minefield, because unfortunately, since the credit crunch, the banks have been a bit tight with their money, really, and restrict the number of loans which they'll give an individual borrower. So for example, you may find that a mainstream lender will only lend on three properties, and that's all they'll give you. So clearly, if you want to build a sizable portfolio, you'd need to have more than one lender in play. And the great thing which a good broker can do is they know and understand the relationship between the different banks, because some banks actually won't lend to you if you've already borrowed off another bank. But they'll be quite happy if you borrowed off a different bank instead. It's all very complicated. It's best left to the experts. That's why I would always use a broker. And when I'm, I'm sometimes asked, you know, are there any ways of not using a broker? I say, don't do that. Just use a broker. It's going to make your life much easier. And, and that's their job. They're going to help you to actually borrow all the money that you need. So go on to the Facebook community, ask who people are using, see if you can get any recommendations. And then the final step in the system is do it all again. If you can do it once, and it works, and if you can get your money back out, and regardless of which strategy you're using, I hope you will be able to get all or most of your money back out, because that's a crucial part of this process, no matter which strategy you're using. If it worked the first time, do it again. Start building a portfolio. Start building the portfolio, for example, that will help you to have the passive income to get out of your job, if that was your goal in step number one. Or, if you were doing flips, sell the property, and then reinvest the profits by buying another flip or two flips and doing two at a time or three at a time and start building up your capital that way. The key thing is once you get started, keep going. There's a lot to be said for having momentum in property and persistence. Don't settle. It's harder to get going again. You want to keep going. Once you've actually got the successes, once you're starting to achieve, once you can see the power of this, once you start to understand it keep using the experience that you've got, keep using the knowledge that you're actually building up because it will monetize over time and your results will start to compound and you'll soon find that you're doing bigger and better and much more profitable deals just because you keep on going. The key thing is to get started and I think that my overall advice to you would be no matter what, just go and do something. Now, I hope that you know, the process I've given you will help you to get started. But please, 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 don't think about getting started. Get started. Property is very much, in my opinion, ready, fire, aim. It's best to get started, not to be perfectionist about it. Don't worry about finding the most perfect area that's gonna work, or finding the most perfect deals that are gonna work. Just get out there and start doing something. Because the reality is, things change very rapidly anyway, in life and in property, and I would be prepared to sort of, if we met face to face and had a chat about this, I'd be almost prepared to bet, although I don't want a betting person, that in 10 years' time you'll be doing something completely different in a completely different place than you could even begin to imagine now. But the reality is that once you actually get started, it opens up the possibilities of all sorts of opportunities coming your way, and they will, believe me. It's one of those silly things. I know, for example, when I go out and look view properties and I meet estate agents, the number of times I've been to a house with an estate agent and the house that we've been looking at hasn't been suitable, but I've spotted one down the road which was on the market, which then turned out to be the house which I bought. Or the estate agent I was meeting has said, OK, well, this one doesn't really fit, but we've got one around the corner which is about to come on the market. Would you like to see that? And that has been the house that I've bought. If I hadn't actually got out, if I hadn't taken action, if I hadn't started doing something, then nothing would have happened. So if at the moment you're thinking, I don't know where to start, start just taking some baby steps, but just make sure that you do something because everything that you do will help towards taking you to wherever it is you want to go in the long run. The other key thing, of course, is when you do start, commit to keep started. And if you came to Masterclass, you'd probably hear me say, that if you're still doing this in 10 years' time, you will be successful. There's something about longevity in property. If you're still doing it in 10 years' time, you will be successful. Why? Because if you're still doing it in 10 years' time, it's gonna be really hard not to be successful because you'll have done so much. Even if you're thinking at the moment it all seems overwhelming and you don't know what you would do or how much you can do, the mere fact that you commit to yourself to start and to keep started, to keep going, you will get results. So please, just do it. Take action today. Make some action points. Even if it's only one action per day for the next year, you'll be amazed how that will add up and how that will help you on your journey. So I hope you found this helpful. I'd love to hear how you get on. Go out and do something. Let me know what you do. I'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about your success when we get together in 10 years time and we'll see what you've done. So I've been Peter Jones. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. If you have any questions, then do, as I say, join the Facebook group, get involved in the community, send your questions through. If they're suitable for the podcast, then I'll pick them up, do a podcast on it. But in the meantime, resolve this week, you're going to take action and do something. Here's to successful property investing. See you next week.